Welcome to episode 264 of In Touch with iOS, the show that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. I am your host, Dave Ginsberg, and this week we have a brand new guest. It's so exciting. Jill McKinley is here on the show for the very first time. How are you doing, Jill? I'm doing great. It is great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. We met at Mac Stock. We're going to be talking a lot about that today. And uh, can't wait to find out a little more about you. And uh, we're going to have a great show with you. We're going to have a, a better show because uh, Ben Rathick is here as well. How you doing, Ben? Hey, Dave. I'm doing great. We missed you at the back stock, buddy. I missed me too. Yeah, we did. But uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Chuck Joyner is here. I appreciate you being here. How you doing, Chuck? Hey, I'm doing great, David. Um, you know, I we were just saying a minute ago pre-show that it seems like a time warp because it yeah. seems like a yesterday and it seems like two years ago. And it was only a little, I guess, yeah, we were at the Midwest Mac Barbecue. We were a week from the, the a week, week ago. ago tonight. It was. Yeah. Hard hard to believe. Yeah, yeah it was. And uh, if, you, if, if anybody hasn't already listened, uh, episode 263 was an absolute blast. We got to be in person with Brittany and Brittany Smith and Chuck and, and uh, Jeff and myself and we sat lakeside and had a lot of fun so take a listen to that as well but we're here for a new episode uh new lots of uh discussion this week uh got some new stories uh you know, we're gonna have to kind of talk about that x wherever that x is you know uh and uh some good topics talk find about jill a little bit and uh some great topics and then we'll we'll wrap some uh discussions of what happened at max stock here so but uh let's just dive right into the stories for this week um uh, First story, Threads is beginning to roll out chronological following tab. Uh, Meta has uh, started this week. They rolled out a, a highly requested following tab in its Threads app, allowing users to view posts from accounts they follow in reverse chronological order. The app continues to show algorithmically uh, recommended posts under the For You tab. Uh, the addition of the following tab brings the threads more in line with its rival Twitter and, uh, I'm sorry, X, and it, it will, uh, make the app more useful for keeping track of the latest posts in real time. So, you know, threads has a little bit of, of, bit, a bit of growing pains and we, we knew that going in and, um, you know, Zuck is, is pushing hard to get this thing going. It's, it's had quite a, quite a bit of, uh, traction, but, uh, I think it's it's a it's a good try, and we're going to see where it goes. Um, Chuck, what do you think? I think this is an obvious upgrade. It's yeah. it's one of those things that seemed like it should have been there from the beginning. The only thing that was equally surprising, and you could argue which one would be more surprising, yeah. was the lack of a web interface. That yeah. everything is is phone based. Other than that, you know, it seemed it's it's obviously a very logical progression. It's just shocking that it, they wouldn't have wouldn't have delivered this first or among the first features. Yeah, you would hope. Uh, Jill, I don't think you're on threads, right? Or you, or, or Instagram for that matter? No, but I have uh, read about it for sure. Okay. I'm not. On Did you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think that it's a good step in general. People don't like algorithms if they feel they're being forced away from seeing their friends or people they know or things they're interested about. So obviously it's a good step. I think that threads got rushed out so that they could get into this gap of whatever's happening with Twitter X. So they, they tried to get out there, but this of course is what everyone wants to see the people they follow. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, what do you think? And you, you, you've been pretty active on, on threads. Oh yeah. Um, I have to first, I have to kind of parrot what Chuck said (laughs) uh, with the exception of, you know, could use uh, hashtags 
and uh, integration with Meta's business tools as well. Yeah, it's it's getting better as a personal platform, but the hashtags and the business uh, integration that's lacking it for lacking for it to be the business platform it has the potential to be. But it's it's getting there. Um, slower than some of us might hope with the ever-changing other site, but it's it's going along. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it sure is. I'm, I'm liking it. I want to get more active with it and uh, to l- learn more and and uh, look to it to to get better for sure. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, speaking of uh, how it goes. Elon Musk had seized the at X Twitter handle from a guy who had it for 16 years. Elon Musk rebrands Twitter to X, as we know. I don't think I have to talk too much about that because uh, I think it's been all over the news. Um, they, uh, he booted this guy to the curb and said the X account is is mine. And uh, and now the, the user uses a handle X, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, eight, seven, six, five, with little notice. Um, uh, and, and, and so, so apparently they decided that, that it was important to seize this account from this guy who has had a control of it since 2007. Um, it's a San Francisco man named Gene X Huang, and, and he had registered the handle 16 years ago, but on Tuesday after several news outlets interviewed uh, about his interviewed him about his unique account, Twitter took it over, no little notice or any compensation. He said, it got an email basically saying we are taking it and that's the end of it. And, uh, t- and he tweeted with his new handle, all's well that ends well. Boy, is this, is this some things to come, Chuck, when it comes to Twitter? I'm sorry, X. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, David. You know, this is one of those stories that it just, I just feel like there's more to the story. Yeah. And I don't know what NDAs might have been uh, issued or whatever. So, and then this is, I know nothing. I, uh, this is pure speculation. Yeah. But and and the one thing that I haven't seen and uh, is how how active this guy was, or was he just sitting on the at X you know ID yeah. just for the sake of having it? So you know, it. I mean, if somebody asked, tried to take my idea from under me, yeah, I've built a follow, you know, something of a following, not as big as some, but you know, that's that's one of the key things that that ways that people connect with me. So I would be putting up, I'm not not sure I would necessarily be going to the press, but I'd be putting up a a bit more of a fight. And so that's where I feel like there's a piece missing to that story. That might be it, or there might be another piece, but just to have somebody snatch a handle right out from under you. um, In fact, and I know a couple people um, and I'm not going to say, because I know one of them has been a target of this kind of thing. They aren't sitting on a single letter, at uh at id but they're sitting on a an early stage single name like if if i had gone and gotten at chuck yeah it's that kind of domain that that they've and and they have fended off all kind of attacks um both you know polite can i buy it from you to trying to dox them out um they're just it's it's kind of amazing that somebody would care that much so i just feel like this one uh you know Sounds like the guy was a good guy. Sounds like Twitter is, or Elon or X is the big bad. And I, there's something in between. Yeah. What do you think, Ben? Oh, this, 
so far, I think, has been the downside to Elon Musk's control of the artist formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. Um, he changed the entire brand basically without warning, taking away handles without warning, uh, doing basically all sorts of major policy uh change without warning it's pure chaos yeah if you're a business especially an advertiser who uh twitter x whatever it wants to be called this minute relies on for its revenue you you can't rely on this site right now no it's 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 i mean bravo for elon instituting with his property what he wants to do with it but there's a reason there are over what is it now 100 million signups for uh threads threads right now yeah probably more now the site's not re- just not reliable for any kind of business user not yet yeah uh, joe what do you think of this about the, this if this if it was this just it, it's just there see more of the story like chuck says yeah, I think there probably is, but and it was inevitable that people would probably misinterpret X to be not be Elon. And so I think there could be confusion there. Yeah. I wish they would have paid him. But overall, what I think is going wrong with Twitter is not necessarily the changes, the lack of announcements. Right. I worked all day trying to fix my Twitter account because things were going wrongly and only to find out I was using tweet deck version one and you can't anymore so there's no announcement in that chaos you're right people are depending on this for their business and they can't while there's chaos and i wish there was less chaos yeah no that's how twitter's going to be and you're going to see more and more people uh abandoning it i think Uh, but uh, then again there might be more jumping on as just as this with this new x well so we'll see where where all things all these things go so um I always like these feel good stories. Uh, this, uh, this was a story about the iPhone 14 and its crash detection. It helped rescuers saved a man after a 400 foot Canyon drop. He probably would have bled out. Uh, the Apple's crash detection feature uh, once again is credited as saving a life. Uh, this time it was a man in California who drove off a cliff on, on, uh, on a Friday and it plummeted 400 feet into an, into an abyss. Uh, uh, at the at this point, the crash detection on the man's iPhone kicked in and contacted a nearby communications center. Um, this is this was reported uh, from CBS Los Angeles. It was uh, out uh, in that in California. Uh, you know, of course, as the, as the crash detection rate recognizes a crash, it sends a notification, lets the user confirm if they're okay or not, and then if nothing is done in 20 seconds, it'll automatically call uh, emergency services. Uh, the LA Sheriff's Department received the call uh, right around 10:30 p.m. on that that night, and then. They kicked the search for rescues teams and they got them and they were, they were able to find them, get them. And the, this was a happy ending. It was a good story. Um, what do you think, Jill? I mean, we've been talking a lot about this on the show and for you've been reviewing much of this, but the, the crash detection t- is this actually absolutely phenomenal on the 14, iPhone 14. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I upgraded to the 14. I was thinking about go yeah. eating until the 15. I go driving and camping places way up North. There you go. And there is nobody. And I feel 
that something could happen to me and no one would know, you right. know, and that's why I thought this was an important update for me yeah. so that at least if something happened, I could alert, but also I live by myself. And so if I fell down the stairs, <laughs> it'd be yeah. nice to know that. Someone well, you got your Apple watch too, that help you with that too. Right. Yeah. So I, that whole, the whole safety line with Apple is just great. I, I love it. It's, it'll keep me here forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Does the SOS uh, always appear when you're out in your camping areas? I've been checking it in various places and absolutely it has gone up on the, particularly the one mountain that is a little bit perilous and way out in the middle of nowhere. And it yeah. goes on and that makes me feel a lot more secure. Also goes on the airplane too, which is. Oh interesting. yeah. Cool. All depending, yeah. depending on the interference and such, uh, Chuck yeah. thoughts on this. I know we, we've been talking about these stories all the time. I, I just, I just really like these stories. I, David, I think it points out the importance though, of, of having an Apple watch yeah. and, and, and not that I'm going to go out climbing and not that I'm likely to suffer. What was it? A 400 foot drop. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a drop. It is. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you can, I mean, you can, you can easily, you know, get your feet tangled up and fall down the steps and or yeah. down the stairs or just off your front porch. And, you know, that hopefully you're not going to be seriously injured. But I've I've known people that took a lot less falls and had yeah. a lot more problems than this guy apparently did. And so, you know, and, and we're just talking about the rescue capabilities, or I guess that's a good way to say it, of of the Apple Watch. We, are, we haven't even touched on the health benefits right. and also the um just the, the productivity benefits for an apple watch so I'm, I'm with you i like these the one question i always have is i wonder how this got into the press yeah you know did, you, did, did you the, wonder did, yeah did the injured party call did you know the, the paramedics say hey this you know this is really a good thing because i know what I've I've told this I think before, but um, a doctor that that I'm seeing, you know, that's one of his things. He wants you to get an Apple Watch. He he, you know, and primarily for the AFib tracking is his big thing. But it it monitors you all the time. It's not as sophisticated as some of the other monitors, but yep. it gets the job done. Gives you some little some indication that there might be an issue going on. So I just see this as just one more one more reason to say, hey, folks, invest in an Apple Watch, whichever one suits you for for your budget and for your activities. It looks like it. it looks like a rescuer actually tweeted it, and they they uh, they connected with all the press uh, in the tweet. So that's I think that's how it got to the press is uh, by yeah. them talking about this. So. Thoughts, ben? Yeah. And and that's oh, and that's fine. You know that that's fine. It just you know you, I think you you ask these you have to ask these questions. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's good. It's good news. Yeah, the Sorry, tweet, Ben. The, the tweets right in the, the tweets right in the article. If everybody's curious, um, go ahead, Ben. Um, I mean, first, having worked in traditional news, yeah, it is common practice for emergency services to release when there has been an incident and a rescue. Yeah. Um, but as you know, as far as the practicality of this, I live in the Driftless region, so the prospect of falling off a 400 foot cliff is actually very real. Yes, um, I don't have the iPhone 14 right now because I wanted to kind of wait for the end of lightning, but 
I will be getting the 15 the second it gets out. There's a lot of uh, iPhone and Android feature phone features, which are pretty much just marketing gimmicks. Yeah. This is not one of them. This saves lives. It does. It does. It really does. Oh. I always thought that if I had a medical emergency at night, I'd just fling myself off the bed and hope Apple called someone. <laughs> I don't know if that's oh. a rescue plan or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, with, with my with my uh, uh, Apple Apple Watch Seven, I actually did have to. I fell hard on a concrete once yeah. and actually had to turn off the SOS. Oh yeah, it happened to me too. I mean, I've I've, I've had an unfortunate fall, and no, I'm okay. <laughs> I just just that's that's all exactly what it wants you to do. So if you don't do anything, it's gonna, gonna call emergency services. So, um. But just, you know, look at it this way. If if at least you have a better chance of having the Apple Watch call someone than if you didn't have anything at all. So right. you could just throw yourself out of bed and nothing would happen. Or, or call your loved one, as you have it said, as your emergency contact as well. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, this, this this was a great story. Um, this next story, Google is now raising the price of YouTube premium. It's going to be $13.99 a month. Uh the price of the individual YouTube premium subscription is increasing by $2 for $13.99 a month in the U.S. for new and current customers. Uh, it is live for new subscribers. It can be seen at YouTube.com slash premium. So instead of the $11.99, it's going to be now $13.99 a month. Meanwhile, it's $18.99 if you're subscribing from the, the iOS YouTube app. Why, why are they doing that? Uh, and, um, of course, that incorporates both the YouTube premium and the music premium. And it includes, to, it includes that. So they are going to hike uh, all these prices, and yeah, it's uh, it's kind of unfortunate. I was grandfathered in; I was paying only nine ninety nine a month. I had that 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 old plan that they never raised for me. So now my bill's going to go up a little higher. But uh, it is what it is. I think a lot of streaming services are increasing prices. Uh, you know, Peacock's doing it, and a lot of others. Uh, but you know, I still find value with YouTube Premium because I just can't stand those commercials. And yeah, there's ways to get around that. And then yeah, they're going to also could be they're also fighting it. But uh, it's still it's still I find value in it. So what do you think, Ben? Um, I think for what they give you, it's a decent price. Yeah. A lot of people just see it as uh, getting rid of the increasingly annoying ads on YouTube videos. But they do give you the YouTube music. Right. Uh, they have added a lot of uh, TV shows and movies that yeah. uh, Google has not been successful at all of letting people know about. Right. It's it's a pretty good value. But it would also be nice if they had different tiers that didn't have all the extras. Right. Some people if don't you want just music. wanted to get rid of ads on YouTube. Yeah. That they, they, they want to package it. That's for sure. Jill, do you have a, do you have a YouTube premium subscription? I don't, I used to do the television subscription, but not the premium, but okay. I noticed overall, there are a lot of things raising their prices and it's hitting everybody for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I've been very careful now because that happened with what I subscribe to now i have cut back sure. drastically and went through everything just because everyone has been raising their prices so yeah. i get it everything costs more yeah i mean they did it for, i just i just became a youtube tv subscriber and i'm gonna talk about that a little later about the cord cutting here our segment here uh but yeah i mean that that price rose as well so chuck i did you, do you have youtube premium chuck i don't remember if you did or not 
No, no, I don't. Um, and I keep looking at it. I keep thinking about it and just haven't gotten either haven't gotten around to it or what, at any given moment, I've decided not to do it. So okay. the one thing that I, I found this really in, an interesting time for not just for YouTube, but all the services yeah. doing this right at the moment, right at the time that we're seeing the writer strike, the, the, you know, the solidarity with the actors and everything. It's yeah. like, okay, um, no new programming coming my way. So maybe this is not the time to do this, you know, to, yeah. to, to do a new subscription. So is, this feels like a weird, just a very weird time. And I'm sure things had to be set in place months in place to do it months ago, but you would think somebody would have grabbed the, you know, the lanyard and said, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, maybe we shouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. I'll continue to subscribe. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with it and it is what it is. You know, so yep, I will uh, say one other thing, please. Uh, Google is not a party to the a AMPTP, right. as far as the writer's strike goes. Right, right. It might be exactly why they're doing it. I saw something that a lot of places are looking towards influencers and other types of media right. to see if they can get programming in. And so maybe this mm -hmm. is a time YouTube can hit it big with a lot of people watching. Yep. For sure, because I've already seen a lot of movies, like like Ben said, and that have just all of a sudden appeared, and then they're free, so they're included as part of the subscription. So, um, yeah. The the, the other thing too, I, I I just I'll add this. Um, I don't know if you all are aware, but um, apparently the unions are encouraging um, some some creators, especially those that do what quote unquote watch along podcasts. Yeah. Or even the 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 shows that are doing watch alongs of you know previous seasons or of shows that are no longer aired, yeah. that you know they're they're saying you know in solidarity with with everyone you know stop creating your content stop doing your shows, and it's like wow you know that's that's really interesting too. So you know what which side of this do you land on? Do you land on it as an opportunity? to to help get people in to sort of pick up the slack or you do you just turn the faucet off i don't know yeah, yeah i will say this a lot of those podcasts are uh, hosted by actors in the show and under the uh sag afra guidance of the strike uh doing those podcasts would be considered promoting struck material Absolutely. All right. Um, I found this article interesting for the for those who are programmers. Um, there is that there was a Python tutorial app. It was called Tinker Stellar, and it was a it was a iPad. Um, it was an iP iPad uh, only app, but they just updated it with an iPhone version. It's written about uh, uh, this is a nine to five Mac. Here. It was written about uh, this last year. About it was inspired by Apple's uh, Swift Playground that uh, helped. Uh, people designed uh, things and learned Python through multiple interactive lessons. Now that what they've done is they've added a major update as well as adding new lessons, refresh interface. And then for the first time you actually could do it on your iPhone. Uh, there's an iPhone version. It was developed with the iPad in mind, but um, the, the developer now says it works with the iPhone as well. So that means users can have the same Python tutorials available and or in their pockets with their iPhone. So 
Um, so this is cool. I, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that this is something that it's open to anybody to learn if, if they want to understand programming more. I'm not much of a programmer, but this gives me inspiration to want to, Hey, maybe I should check this out and, and do it. Uh, uh, Swift, uh, Swift playgrounds is a, is a fun little thing to play with to learn learning programming. Uh, what do you think, Ben, on this? Is this something you have been looking at at all? Um, I, I mean, I'm not much of a programmer. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say, I just checked, the iPad version does run on the Mac as well. There you go. So, any th- yeah, anything that gets people into coding, yeah, especially in a way that is more accessible to them, is a good thing. Computers are not going away, so coding is increasingly our future. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jill, do you do any coding? I wasn't sure if you did or not. I did back in the day, way back. Yeah. I was starting out in comp sci in college, yeah. but I haven't for a long time. But that's what I love about this particular era is there's so many ways to learn yeah. something. And I know people who only have iPhones and don't have iPads or right. computers. You know, And so this is great. I, I think encouraging anyone to learn like this is amazing. Yeah. And uh, Chuck, what's your thoughts? Uh, Echo Jill. You know, I I can't say that I have any experience with this. If I fired it up, I wouldn't probably wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. I'm along with you. Hmm. As you got Uh, Siri talking to you. No, actually it's my echo device Uh, uh, suggesting I do gymnastics for some reason. (laughs) Uh, So, I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, I, I think, you know, a- anything that makes programming more accessible to those who have the inclination is is terrific. And by the this write-up, it looks like it's a, a great addition. Yeah, it is. It is. So a uh, couple more stories here. The Apple's uh, My Photo Stream service is shutting down. It actually shut down yesterday as we record this. Uh, so everybody let everybody know. Uh, it was set to shut down on Wednesday, July 26th. We're recording this a day later. Uh, any customers that were using that feature needed to transition to iCloud Photos before that date. If you hadn't done this away already, uh, important that you took care and took take care of action. I just realized that this this just happened yesterday. So, so if if you if you didn't do it, you're kind of out of luck here. But uh, this was a a service that was launched over over 10 years ago or about 12 years ago 2011 um it was a free service that allowed you to temporarily upload images up to a thousand at any given time to icloud making them accessible across uh, apple devices and available for importing to your library and any device and then the photos remained in the my photo stream for 30 days um, so they've really really making people want to move over to icloud photo library so you should i think most people these days are already we're, we're already back with this um anyway so uh, so if you didn't do it by now, you're going to kind of be in trouble as, as you hear this. So, uh, do, did you use this at all, Jill, or did you have used iPhone clothes, iCloud photos? I think it must've predated my era and my joining the yeah. Apple world, yeah. but I'm always sad when photography sites shut down in any way, because maybe the person who started that can't migrate or isn't around to migrate yeah. and so i just hate to see photos leave but hopefully everyone got their photos off or yeah i hope by now they did so any thoughts on that ben i well first i almost forgot this existed yeah um, i did too until this came I, out a couple weeks ago yeah 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 i quickly moved to an icloud photo library yeah as soon as the photos app uh was introduced on the mac right okay so it's it hasn't been a part of my workflow for a very long time. 
But remembering back, uh, it was something very useful uh, back in the day, especially when the iPhone slash iPad and Macs were using very different apps for uh, for that same, uh, whatchamacallit, use case. Yeah, absolutely. Any thoughts, Chuck? Um, you know, it, it's it's too bad. I think there's some good reasons for this. That I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. But at the end of the day, it's just one of those services that you could argue wasn't being used maybe as much. And that again, that too is speculation because, but but I can't say that I've heard anybody create raise a big uproar about this. It's like, oh yeah, too bad. You know, it would have been nice. Most people that I talk to seem to have never gotten around to setting it up or really utilizing it, and so and that that's a very limited, weird little subset. Yeah. But just the fact that there hasn't been this huge outcry from much of anybody, at least that I've seen, tells me that. It just wasn't being used that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's it would be kind of like if uh Apple were to announce today they were finally shutting down mobile me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. I example, think for man. the first few weeks I thought it was a scam. That's not what Apple's photos are called. <laughs> oh, this is a real thing. It, okay. it, they were. <laughs> yeah. So so R.I.P. Uh, hopefully you got your photos moved over. Last story this week, uh, more discussion about the Apple card and Goldman is likely stuck. Uh, American Express likely is an, un, is an unlikely contender. Also, the story talks a little bit about Tim Cook was once denied when he tried to apply for the Apple card. Found that to be really interesting. But uh, Goldman Sachs did somehow have managed to lose money on this whole share of the Apple card business and and, and the business of, of the consumer banking. So as we've talked about in previous shows here about this uh, there was a good article, and this was a quoted from the the information. Uh, it talks about the complexities of what was changing with the banking partners partners would require, as some pretty good tidbits about Apple. Um, but but uh, he had to not save the best for last. The real gem was a new piece talking about Apple CEO Tim Cook actually could not couldn't get through the application process for the Apple Card before it was announced, um, and. Uh, and engineers were pulling an all-nighter a few months before that launch and scrambled to find a solution to the problem that had cropped up. But and then Tim Cook couldn't get approved for the Apple Card. Um, <laughs> sure, Cook's financials are r- relatively strong. I would think they'd be extremely strong. Uh, but he's also a high target for a high profile pro- profile target for, for fraud. Ultimately, you know, Goldman Sachs had to do that. So. Yeah, they talked about the, the, the Apple's Apple's views of the American Express as a as a brand with similar prestige of Goldman Sachs, but but you know what, American Express or even J.P. Morgan Chase, another potential partner, focuses on co-branded cards, and I don't think Apple wants to do that. That was what I think what attracted Apple in the first place to Goldman Sachs because they were new in 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 the in the consumer business, and they're the only card that they were currently managing. So, what do you think about this, Chuck? Um. You know, I, I I've read the article, David, and we all got a chuckle over Tim Cook being yeah. denied. It was also an interesting little insight, though, into how credit card companies may look at someone and evaluate whether they right. want to be uh, be associated with them in one way or another. Um, I still question exactly why Goldman claims they lost a billion dollars on this. Yeah, it's it's just. Uh, uh, 
I can't I, with the money came in and and they and everyone was bragging that when they set up the savings account, a billion dollars came in. And so, you know, how did this happen? And 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 I'm assuming that the accounting is accurate and that's the way it's being right. it's not being spun, which that's a pretty big assumption right there. But yeah, this is another one of those that just it feels like there's more to the story. And whether it's gold Goldman was inept at handling the volume or the service requests or a, a more customer focus, focused, excuse me, focused as opposed to commercial uh, banking focused uh, in part of the industry. I there just there are a lot of variables here that it could be, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, whether Amex gets into the picture or not, and because none of us know what the contracts say between Apple and Goldman. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. And that that is the thing here. Um, we don't know what the do we know what the term limit is for this contract. We don't know what the details are of this contract. And uh, unless there's some kind of escape clause that Goldman got into it, which it doesn't sound like there is, uh, they would have to sell this commercial unit. And whoever the buyer is would have to abide by the same contractual uh, limitations as Goldman Sachs, which means nobody would want to but want to buy it if they're hemorrhaging money like this. Right. So Goldman Sachs is for better or worse, worse stuck with it unless Apple wants to buy the unit themselves. Yep, absolutely. Jill, any thoughts? Well, I do have an Apple card and I really like it. And it made me think that back in the day when I first got started, I got a visa and immediately plunged myself into trouble with it, mm-hmm. that it's so visible and yeah. it tries to keep you out of trouble. It made me wonder if Goldman Sachs lost money because it's so apparent when you're about to make interest charges that it helps the young or the new creditor avoid charges. And maybe that is why they didn't succeed at it because it's trying to help the user it's trying to help the consumer which is not necessarily a credit card's goal right but when things are said and done i love it and i hope they figure something out though i have an amex card too for travel and not many places take it as much as visa and mastercard yeah so um yeah i will add one little addendum there's probably a reason why goldman sachs is the partner and not one of the traditional retail focus ba- or consumer focus banks. Oh, right, because they get messy very quickly. So let's uh, let's anybody else has another add, uh, add to that. Let's go ahead and move on to this uh, this week's topics. And I think our first topic I thought was fitting because we got to find out a little bit more about Jill McKinley. How you did that, Jill? Oh. It's been great that you were able to join us this week. And I wanted to just, I mean, we were very brief. I just wanted to find out. You you actually started in the Windows world like I did, and then kind of moved on to the Apple world. So we're very similar in our, our paths in in our IT careers. Um, and uh, you you made it over to the to the to, to the light side of the force. You're now with Apple. So uh, briefly tell everybody what 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 inspired you to move over to to Apple products and uh, notably Macs, and then of course iPhones and iPads. I mean, I've gone back to Apple all the way through DOS and Windows 3.1 and eventually was a Windows 95 support person. Right. But the reason, yeah, I switched over had to do with 
I think it's a new phase in my life and probably also I'm doing a little bit better than I was when I had to build my own computers for sure. But I wanted to create two or more podcasts and really Mac is creativity in a box. I said, you know, you have everything you need, everything that you could possibly need. And I wanted one computer, not a desktop and a laptop and a this and a that. And when the decision came down, the Mac was the obvious choice that it could do everything I needed it to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, nice. Over, so, yeah. And you've been in, in it now for on the Apple side of things is what about uh, how long has it been? My first one I got in 2020, that was the Mac mini right. and I didn't use it much. Well, I bought um, Allison Sheridan's MacBook pro before that mm-hmm. 2013 yeah. uh, MacBook pro. I got also in 2020 and then it wasn't until I bought the MacBook where I started really using it, yeah. but so yeah, you, so you it's are, just been a couple. Of years. You are truly a newbie. <laughs> comes to Apple, which is <laughs> great. And we're we're so happy and glad that you're part of uh, the Apple community because it's. Uh, uh, I won't. I won't ever go back. And uh, and you had you, you have an iPhone. You you're enjoying your iPhone. And you said you have that. You just bought the 14, and and that's great. And so then, yeah. yeah. And I started with iPad. Um, okay. I was in charge of a bunch of window tablets and I desperately wanted a tablet and yeah. when an iPad came out, but yeah, I have the iPhone 14 and probably I'll buy, I'm only missing the Apple TV now. Now I have everything except Apple TV. Oh, so we got to get you over on the, because right. we all have everything. So uh, are you, you said you do have an iPad now. Are you still using an iPad? Yeah, I have. I just bought a brand new one. I got an 11 pro. Nice. Like, um, like I, I really like, yeah, mine were aging and I just decided to get something uh, better with it. And I really like that. I've, I've liked everything I bought from Apple. Absolutely. And I think I said it during my presentation at MacStock. I just feel like Windows is a tool and Mac is trying to get out of your way so you can do whatever it is you want to do in life. And I now I'm just sold and yeah. <laughs> I'll never... I'll never stop. <laughs> yeah. Amen for that. Yeah, that Macs just make life very easy for all of us. So... Yeah. Well, it's good to get to know you and I wanted to, to everybody, the listeners to find a little bit more about you. Um, so let's uh, go ahead and we can move on for this week. And uh, what we do is we now talk about beta, uh, iOS 17, uh, beta four, was just released, uh, I believe it was just like yesterday, uh, as we record this, um, it was released to the developers. You have the I- iOS 17 as well as iPad OS 17. Um, and the registered developers got in that, uh, Ben, I know you're running beta. Uh, and, uh, what mm-hmm. did, did you, have you seen any changes? I didn't have a chance to update yet, but. Um, not a whole lot yet. It's maybe there's a couple little things, but so far I haven't really seen much. Yeah. It seems like maybe it's maybe just a little bit faster. S- Seems it's slowing a little bit, but uh, you know we we still got a little ways to go yet. Uh, being the, near the end of July here, and we we anticipate that it was probably going to be out in September. So, um, so they uh, also released a Watch OS ten to uh, on the app Watch. I don't think you do that, right? Or do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's what's no what's been anything yeah. notable on the on the Watch? Um, not since the beta, um, or not in beta four. I mean, other than the fact that it's now the second public beta. Right. And we're on fourth beta and in developers. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I will also give my, uh, my standard disclaimer. I am an idiot who needs, who is curious enough <laughs> to do very unwise things 
uh, to look, to be kind of ahead of the information curve. Yes. Especially on your production. Device. I know exactly. <laughs> yes. I know what I'm risking yeah. by doing this. Do not be me. Don't be you. I know Chuck is it. And I don't, Jill, do you do dabble in beta at all? Oh, I do when they get to public betas. I've been kind of swamped in the last few weeks. And yeah. so I avoided just thinking about it. Yep. But as soon as that life settles down a little bit, I'm totally going to get the beta. Sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, TVOS is out. WatchOS 10, 10 is out. TVOS, you don't really see too much as far as any big changes. And then uh, one one article caught my eye is that they did add two new Siri voices to uh, to, to British users. So you got some new voices there. And you're going to kind of start seeing a lot of that stuff uh, when they start adding things here. Mm-hmm. But notably is the Vision Pro. And they did this week mm-hmm. release the developer kit. But it does have some interesting terms, I must say, uh, for you to, to be able to get one of these if you want to be a developer. Um, among the terms and conditions that you, you must agree to is that you, the Vision Pro is never moved from the address that it's it's sent to, is never left on the attend when in use. Hey, it kind of seems to remember that time when, oh, that iPhone in a bar. Uh, and, iPhone 4. Yeah, remember oh. that? I can never forget that. Uh, and uh, and that's fair, but, but here's it gets more stringent here. And you, you have to agree to that all access to usage of and storage use uh, of, of it will be private, secure workspace only accessible by you and your authorized developers. So it's basically in fully cl- closed, solid doors. Uh, you must you must ensure that unauthorized persons, including any family, friends, roommates, household employees, do not access, view, or handle it. Uh, and so it, there's a lot of pretty intense steps here that I've seen there. As it also says, if you you're away from your workspace for more than ten days, consult with your Apple point of contact on how to keep it uh, safe while you're away. Uh, neither you nor the authorized developers may display, demonstrate, video, photograph, or make any drawings. So they're really hardcore. So you don't aren't going to be seeing any photographs yeah. on social media without people testing this. Oh yeah, that there's a ma- yeah. major also you major NDA. Also, you will be cleaning that workspace yourself because the cleaning crew isn't allowed. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. So, uh, so I mean, yeah, it's it's something that developers want to get their hands on, and, and this is not for your, your lighthearted normal user. This is a developer. It's a hardcore developer that is developing applications, and you got to you got to stick to Apple's uh, rules, or you or you'll get banned, and you'll you lose make, could even lose your developer account. So you got to be real careful with this. Uh, what what is your thoughts, Ben, on this? Is this is this something you think see you're seeing that uh, Apple's doing something good to to get people in, involved so we can start learning yeah. more about this? Oh yeah, I can also completely understand the security measures, hundred percent. Because yeah, this is not going to be release hardware. No, it, it's not. May not even be remotely close to release hardware. Um. You know, people are the public gets their hands on it. They're going to start doing reviews on something that is not meant for public consumption. Uh, it could give a leg up to competitors if there's industrial espionage. And, you know, this is something that Apple's probably spent the better part of a decade developing when they want that when they want it to be public facing they want it to be as about as close to perfect as they can get yeah 
and which is why you have significantly higher security requirements than you would have the uh, iPad inside of Mac Mini development machine there was for the Mac. Right. And when the when when they did the M1 transition, so yeah, yeah. And when that thing came up on eBay, honestly, they really didn't care. Yeah. Uh, this. Uh, they care. Yeah. If if uh, Luke Miani does a a nice video with this, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a little bit different outcome. Yeah, it will be. Did you have any thoughts, Chuck, about? this whole thing that they've done with this app for Apple? Um, yeah, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting. And I do have a prediction. I predict that somebody is going to violate that NDA and Apple is going to come down very hard on them. Right. Oh, yeah. And and, and what and, and that sounds so obvious, but what makes this really interesting is that there, there have been, for the last number of years, lots of NDAs that were sort of, Apple kind of looked the other way. And yeah. Yeah, and it, it so it became a thing that oh yeah, I signed an NDA, but you know here's here's the here's the secret unboxing, and wow, you know that I, I felt like at the time that was a dangerous precedent to set, and yet I, I I kind of understood that Apple couldn't just say oh just ignore I mean any kind of official communication, mm-hmm. but now they're laying all this stuff out very specifically, very hard, and. I think it's going to be just interesting to to see, you know, that what that the precedent that has been set in the past has been. That's eh, not a big deal. This is a big deal. It yeah, is, it is huge. Yeah, the, yeah. This is uh, you break this NDA, you're going to have Apple's legal team on your front door the next yeah. day. Then they've got they have a lot of lot of lot of high class high class lawyers that are going to be after you quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like when it was when they 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 demonstrated at WWDC. Those those uh those social media influencers were told you have a half hour with it and you can't take pictures and um so they're very restrictive of what they can do it all, all had to be reported in their in their in their head here uh, and they could not mm-hmm. have pictures to refer back to it later other than the, what was publicly shown. Did you have any uh, thoughts on this, Joe? As far as the, what the Vision Pro is, this something you th- you think is going to be cool to see? I mean, it's going to be way out of most people's uh, financial to to the ability to be able to afford this but i do have an oculus and i like it but when i saw this i saw a whole other use case for it i saw i saw myself getting rid of monitors and televisions i don't have Mm -hmm. money to drop on this but someday when the price comes down i thought of a lot of things to use it for and i'm i'm excited about it but you know you can remember back all the times where demonstrations were made on something that wasn't ready, the blue screen of death, I think with Bill Gates, the red ring of death on the Xbox. And yeah. Apple has that reputation of being top notch when it comes to releasing something and they don't want this to get a screenshot of some sort of yellow screen of death, you know, yeah. inside of it and get it released and have people disparage it. So I understand it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we got lots of links in the show notes for a lot of great articles talking about this, as well as Apple's direct link, uh, their news release about it, uh, and you know the terms that you have to follow. But you got to be a you got to be a developer, and you got to have apps that you're de- you're actively developing. You can't just be some developer and have an account and hey, I want to get sign up for this and just so I can see if I can play with it. No, you have they you have to prove that you are indeed developing an app and and you're going to take advantage of using this, not just get it and and play. <laughs> Um, so, uh, mm-hmm. 
So definitely going to be interesting to see what we hear uh, in the next uh, months ahead here as far as where that goes. Um, so uh, let's move on to the next uh, topics here. Once in a while, we have a little, little segment I call In Touch with Cord Cutting. Uh, and uh, this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience with uh, cutting the cord. I never thought I would ever do it, ever. I've been I've been a Comcast customer probably for 20-plus years. I kind of still am. You know, another house we that, that, that I, as part of our family still has it, but, um, I, I count the, the official place where I live that and I finally just decided I've had enough of Comcast and, uh, I have AT&T fiber here at my house. So, I mean, having a great, having that amazing fiber speed with asynchronous mm-hmm. up and down speeds is, is awesome. Um, so, um, you know, it, it was a good thing. So I had to make some decisions where I was going to go as far as, you know, TV service. I got, I had to had, I want to have something and you start and you start going to all these sites. Uh, I'll put the link in the show. notes. Uh, suppose.tv is one of them is, uh, is a good site that lets you do some uh, moving around comparisons of what channels are where and why. Um, so I came down to, well, you know, the two big ones, which would be YouTube TV and Hulu, uh, with uh, live TV. Um, uh, each one had its pluses and its minuses. Some had channels that it had and they did not. And me being in Chicago, I wanted to, you know, have some of the channels that are available here that, that I enjoy. Um, but uh, then I had to make a compromise. Uh, so I decided to go with YouTube TV and I, I've been pretty happy with it so far. It's uh, It's got a good interface and um, it's uh, it's working well for me. The only downfall to it, I do enjoy watching shows on History Channel and A&E and uh, those networks, those aren't part of uh, part of that. So you, you would have to go to another service, uh, or in my case, I could use the Comcast account I have elsewhere, but <laughs> that's another story. But generally what would have to happen if, if that's what you had to do. And that's where the problem is with cord cutting. You have to go to multiple services to find, you know, the content you want. If you could live without history channel and any, then yeah, you'd probably be okay with that. Um, so there are services out there that you can go and that are with, uh, have signed on with, uh, um, with the, the, those networks. So, you know, so, but overall I'm happy of the, de- of the decision I made and I'm going to, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, it, it it's definitely going to be interesting to see where it goes here. So, uh, but a couple other notable stories that happened this week, and I'll, I know, uh, Ben is very happy about this is the fact that the Chicago Ooh. Cubs, and of course I'm wearing my cup, happened to be wearing my Cubs jersey and my shirt, and he's wearing his Bears jersey. So we're kind of doing a Chicago thing here. Um, and now have a new direct to consumer, uh, uh, they're the direct consumer marquee sports network, who's the regional sports network for the Chicago Cubs, are now going to have its own standalone service. And I think, and the reason I want to talk about that, not necessarily with Ben and I being Chicago sports fans here, is the fact that I think we're going to start seeing this trend because there's been a lot of news about uh, Bally has been an absolute mess with their regional sports networks across the country. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you're going to start seeing more and more of this types of standalone type services for anything, whether it's it's sports or something else. Uh, but it's great to see. And Ben, you, you want to just tell people real quick, you know, what, what the Cubs did uh, with this network. It's now, it's a good price. And I think it's fair. Yep. Um, they have marquee sports network, which is a, uh, a 50, 50 partnership between the Chicago Cubs and diamond sports group, which also, uh, it owns Bailey, the Bailey sports networks. Right. Um, came up with a a direct to consumer app option for nineteen ninety nine a month, 
yep. where you have not only uh, the live Cubs games, but you have a live 24-7 feed of the uh, Marquee Sports Network. You have uh, on-demand access to both the shows on the network as well as Cubs replays. And I would presume a replays of other sporting events that are on the network. Um, it's honestly something I have been waiting for for about three years. <laughs> uh, actually, YouTube dropping Marquee, which they had for about a year right. during COVID, uh, was the primary reason I went from phase one cord cutting to phase two with no longer having a live TV provider. Yeah. But I mean, the cable is dying. Yes, it is. Yeah. You literally see the original sports networks dying because, uh, well, Diamond Sports Group is giving the TV rights for MLB, NHL, and the NBA back to the teams. Right. Because it's no longer profitable for them. Right. And I mean, I had uh, since the Cubs have gone to the new regional sports network from uh, NBC Sports Chicago, I have not been able to watch a Cubs baseball game for more or less three years because, well, Marquis hasn't, which is managed by Diamond Sports Group hasn't been very good at making deals, especially with uh, cord cutting live sports or live TV options. Right. So, um, so go ahead. Don't go ahead. And also, the Cubs have not. Yeah. Also, the Cubs haven't lost since it, since it went live. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to give people kind of a gist of where that's going. Uh, I know, Chuck, you're not a big sports fan, uh, but. Your thoughts, I mean, a lot of these networks are starting to do this. And where do you think this trend is going to go with, regardless of what the content is, you know, whether it be sports or, or movies or any of these other channels, uh, where do you think uh, this is going to go with these direct direct consumer type uh, services? Even sports is, sports is sort of the wild card. Yeah. Um, everybody seems to be staking out a sport or a couple sports that they're trying to focus on and cut exclusive deals. I guess my con maybe it's not concern is not the right word, but my thinking is though that how much damage is this going to do if I am a real football fan, a real soccer or right. English football fan, depending on how you want to say it. Um, if I, I am a golf fan, and so how many services am I going to have to subscribe to right. to see what I want to see with with in, in the case of golf because I can speak to that because I, I know it. But you know, the British Open was just this past weekend as we as we record this. Okay. Augusta, the PGA, um, you know, the, the regular tour events, which are are not, you know, take nothing away from yeah. those in comparison to the majors. Then you have the ladies, the the, the LPGA tour. Um, and all their events. And some of those are at least as fun to watch, if not more fun to watch than the men's events. And so how fragmented can this become until I just throw up my hands and say, you know what, I, I'll go out and play rather than watch somebody. Right. Um, it's, and it's already happening to the NFL mm -hmm. and the NFL is managing it. 
But, you know, Monday night is, excuse me, Sunday night's on one, Monday night's on another, mm-hmm. Thursday night's on another. The weekends are up for grabs as to whether they're broadcast or, you know, somewhere else. I've, I've, I've kind of lost track, honestly, of what's going to happen this this fall yeah. when the football season hits. So yeah. I, I think that part is really, really interesting. Yeah. The fact, though, that all of these services are following the cable model and not letting you fine-tune your package. They just, oh, we've got this great package of, you know, and I think in the case of YouTube TV, because when you were talking about it, I was right. cheating a little bit and looking it up. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, a uh, hundred channels. Oh my God, a hundred channels. I don't want a hundred channels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that means that any at any given moment for the next hour, I've got a hundred choice, a hundred choices. I don't want a hundred choices. I don't need a hundred. And I, and I don't want to have to pay for a hundred choices. So if I, if I sound like I'm ranting a little bit, I am. I think we all had this vision of how this was going to solve the cable problem. And instead the players have just changed names, but they're still doing the same darn thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I will say two things on this. Number one, I knew exactly how this was going to play out because you have the studios involved. This was going to go from uh, these third-party TV providers directly to the studios. And number two, there is, ironically, another code of football, uh, though not called football here in the United States, that does have it figured out, and that is Major League Soccer. I think that is going to be the way that uh, MLB, the NBA, and the NHL eventually go. The NFL it has itself tied up to long-term contracts that um, are rapidly becoming obsolete. Right. Let's uh, link a Jill in here. Uh, Jill, I don't know how much TV you watch, or, or do you have any thoughts about this as far as where these are going? I have the same concerns that Chuck has that we are and. Um, emulating what happened in the networks, which is what I got rid of about six, seven years ago Mm -hmm. and use now an app that keeps track of my TV shows. I started with YouTube um, TV and I liked it, Mm -hmm. but it was overkill for the amount of television I watched. And I found out that at the price I could subscribe to a series here and there for cheaper than the, the monthly fee. But when it comes to sports, I was surprised that the Cubs went out on their own since MLB was one of the very first streaming on your phone kind of app. And so for them to let go of the baseball teams, I was really surprised by that. So I know that younger people aren't watching sports. I hear that it's not catching on. And so maybe that's part of the problem, but like football, are we going to have every night of the week looking for our sports teams and and not finding them? And, And then the other comment is, if you live in the Driftless area, there's a team right between you and Chicago that you should maybe consider. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know that team. Um, last, yeah. uh, let, let's uh, we'll close. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little further north. Uh, ben, let, well, you'll have the last uh, the last say on this topic. Going, but I'm going to uh, get close to wrapping up here. Yeah, I I don't think there's much else to say. We are in a changing world. Yeah. And a lot of the sports leagues move so slowly that uh, their idea of what the world is, is far in the past of what it actually is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So let's go ahead and I'm, as we're getting close to wrapping up here, I wanted to do a little bit of a recap of what of Max Talk. We just had an absolute blast. I, again, we're really sad that you couldn't make it there, Ben. But uh, I, I'm so glad you were able to see what we did, and, and you'll 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 start seeing more things as it gets released. But uh, we had an absolute great time. It was so great to see all our friends. A lot of big hugs. A lot of great, great to see people. We got to meet Jill for the first time, and, and uh, she did an app. She knocked it out of the park with her presentation. Uh, remind people, what did you talk about at MaxDoc? About software adoption, technology adoption, but I used it through the analogies of sticks, which yeah. are tools that will help you do better. Yeah. In adopting technology. So it, it was an absolutely great presentation. Chuck opened up the show on Saturday and did a great presentation. I, I loved your, your analogy with that 1950 Indianapolis uh, the car. I know what was it? There was a Formula One car uh, of how long it took to, to in a pit stop. I, I think you did great with that. Thank you. Yeah, the, the idea was that we we all we all face a temptation to get stuck in the past because it's comfortable. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to try to illustrate in a dramatic way, you know, what the difference between being stuck in the past and using the old tools and using the old technology and what you can do now with the current technology and maybe some ideas on how not to get stuck um, and some training out there that you can, you can take advantage of or options for training and learning. So I think, when 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 uh, when Mike gave me the opening spot, it's like okay, I <laughs> I feel like I would like to try to set the tone a little bit for every everyone else um, to to put people in the right mindset, and hopefully I achieved that. I think you did. I think you did. And I talked about uh, the cloud and then cloud computing and cloud services and kind of broke it down between uh, what the heck the cloud is and then talking about all these acronyms like SAS and IAAS and uh, PAAS and all that other stuff. And and uh, and then just talk, got got a little deep into the, the, the services we know, like iCloud, Dropbox, OneDrive, and Google Drive and got into into that. And then Dave Hamilton was great when he came. We came in for lunch and he was talking about Synology and then I didn't think him and I would be in sync and we didn't even talk about each of our presentations. And he was he even led into some cloud discussion that we uh, we that, that I talked about. So it kinda it, it kind of fit really well with that. He, they did a great uh they did, did a great live session, uh, a caucus for Mac Geek Gab, which was a lot of fun to watch and see him hoping that their the show recorded okay and and you uh, and you're, most of you'll be able to listen to their podcast and 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 all the uh, current and uh, f- former uh, co-hosts who were on that show were on stage. It was a lot of fun, and uh, well, yeah, we just had a lot of fun. It was it's such a, a great place to be. Uh, great to get with everybody. And I uh, know Chuck, do you have any other final comments about MaxTech and, and wrapping it up here? Just that when you see Mike make the announcements next year, yeah, sign up right away, and and also make sure that you. You try to book a hotel, book one of the one of the um, I guess the endorsed hotels, approved ones, um, because it, yeah, approved. Thank you. That was the word I couldn't find. Um, because the idea that not only does is Max Talk during the day and it's terrific, but there's also the social aspects at night, yes. um, and so the the hotel lobbies and bars well, we were so at fun. least as exciting as the uh, you know as they as were what went on during the day. Mm. I could know. I won't say what happened, but I know Joe was having a lot of fun. So but, uh, yeah. I'm still recovering. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens at the con stays at the con. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's stayed in Max Talk. Ex- so 
Ex- except when there's video. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully there is a daddy. I don't think I saw any. So, uh, but you still can get, you still can get involved with Max Tech after the show. I mean, like I said, we, 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 it is in the books for 2023, but please, we, we have a link uh, in the show notes here to, to be able to purchase a virtual pass. It's not terribly expensive, like around 97 bucks and you'll get access to all the all the great uh, talks that happened on both days and uh, the, the live stream worked out really well. I think a lot of people had some really positive comments because those that did sign up ahead of time got to take advantage of being watching it live over the live stream. And for the, for the little venue we had it in at, at stage left down in, in Woodstock, Illinois in the Woodstock square, uh, it was, it, it, it turned out great. So we had a little positive comments, but uh, take a look at, uh, that we got a link there. Like I said, myself, Brittany Smith and Chuck and Jeff and Jeff Gamut and Jill and so many others that spoke. It's worth it just to be able to check that out. And, uh, please, please, uh, support, uh, Mac stock. And hopefully we find out soon when the dates will be for next year. We'll be all waiting uh, patiently to find out uh, where we can start signing up here. So, uh, it's going to be a absolutely great time. I, I can't wait uh, for the next time here. So, um, so, but with that, let's uh, go ahead and uh, wrap up for this week. Uh, that's a wrap for this week. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to, to our email address, which is feedback at intouchwithios.com. You can follow us on Mastodon at InTouchWithIOS as well as Twitter. You can support the show by buying me a coffee at InTouchWithIOS.com slash coffee. We would really appreciate it. You can become a patron of the show by uh, going to patreon.com slash in touch with iOS. We have two tiers available to support the show. We would really appreciate it. Make sure you like and share and subscribe. So when you are notified when we are live streaming, which is Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific on our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash in touch with iOS where you can watch the current shows and uh, the live stream. We keep that out there. You get to watch what we just did tonight as well as other shows. And then uh, you also can listen to and see that, see those shows as well. Uh, visit in touch with iOS magazine on Flipboard, where many of the topics we discuss are flipped into that magazine. The link is in our show notes. You can subscribe to our show in your favorite podcatcher, including Apple, including podcasts, pocket casts, overcast, Apple podcasts, and many others. But better yet, just go to our website in touch where all the links to all the ways to listen to us are there. I am Dave Ginsburg, and you can find me on Mastodon at DaveG65. And uh, Jill, it was so great to have you on the show this week. Please let everybody know where they can find you. Um, my website is startwithsmallsteps.com, and you can email me at jill at startwithsmallsteps.com. That's probably the best way. Great. And it's been a real pleasure meeting all of you yeah. and now being here. Yeah, we're just so thrilled to have you on the show this week. Uh, Chuck Dorian, thanks. Last minute, we had uh, Jeff Jeff Gannon couldn't make it this week, but so so grateful for you to step in to help us uh, and have a great time here today. Where can people find you? Hey, no problem. Thank you for uh, for asking, David. Um, MacVoices.com is where you can find everything I do, all the interesting things and people that I talk to. Um, this whole crew right here is uh, been on the show at one point or another, sometimes multiple times. <laughs> we do Mac Voices Live Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are, on YouTube at youtube.com slash TV. We'd love to have you join us at uh, on, on there and contribute in the chat. And finally, on a whole bunch of social networks, um, you can usually find me as at Chuck Joyner. David, thanks again. Thank great you. to great to see everyone. Jill, great to see you and and meet you this past weekend. Yes. And Ben, 
get your butt to Max Talk next year. Yes, I will. I will. <laughs> tell you what, if I don't, if I, if I don't come, uh, you, Dave, and and Jeff, I'm gonna have, come pick you uh, up. My permission. To, yeah, come <laughs> yeah. kidnap me. <laughs> well, speaking I of like that, uh, last certainly not least, thanks Ben Rafik for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you? Well, Dave, you can find me on uh, the X Twitter thingy, Instagram, Threads, Mastodon, Blue Sky, T Two. There's probably 17 different networks I'm forgetting at Ben Rathig. Uh, you can find my thoughts on tech and possibly other things at Rathig.tech. On Tuesdays, you can find me on the uh, Mac Voices, the voice of the Mac community with Chuck Joyner. Thursday, Thursday afternoon or morning or evening, depending on your time zone, you can find me on the big show on the British Tech Network. And Friday morning on the Mac Show on the British Tech Network. Great. Thanks again for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll talk again next time.